0: Well good morning everyone. I'm so glad you're with us here as we really wrap up this series on Philippians that we began way back in June. Really just working it through like verse by verse, passage by passage. And as we've worked it through I've hoped you've seen some of the themes that have been a part of it. I hope you've seen some of the main points that Paul has been teaching. And we really have been emphasizing the fact that this book is really interwoven with these three themes of grace, the activity of God, and community. We've seen that throughout the book. We've seen the importance actually of grace when Paul says things like my God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. This is where the book began with grace and peace. And then he also said that you share with me in the grace of God, or we read the verse where you rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Again, that's the theme of grace. We've also seen how God is really active in us with verses like this, where Paul says that, "'I am certain that the good God "'who began the good work within you "'will continue it until it is finally finished.'" This is a promise that you can believe in, that you can trust in, that God is working in you. That's the activity of God. Or we read that, "'For God is working in you, "'giving you the desire and the power "'to do what pleases Him.'" or as we'll read today in our final passage, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So we've seen the importance of grace. We've seen the importance of how God is active in us. And then we've also seen the importance of community with verses like this. For whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you've been my partners in spreading the good news. Or Paul says, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Or he also says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. So we've seen these themes of grace, of the activity of God in community, and we're gonna see them again in our final passage here today. I wanna read it for us, and then as always, we're just gonna work it through, like verse by verse, passage by passage, kind of point by point, really then seeing what it is that Paul might be saying not only to the Philippian church, but also what might the Holy Spirit be saying to us here today. So we read this. This is Paul speaking. He says, How I praise the Lord, that you are concerned about me again. He says, I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. He says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Isn't that a verse for today, right? I've learned to be content with whatever I have. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, he says, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty, which is the fact that he is in prison, right? And he continues, and he says, And as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. He says, no other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. He says, at the moment, I have all that I need and more. He says, I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And the same God who takes care of me, listen to this promise, the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So he says, now all glory to God our Father forever and ever, amen. And Paul ends with some final kind of greetings and a final benediction. He says this, give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings. And the rest of God's people send you greetings to especially those in Caesar's household. And he says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So this is the passage we wanna work through today. And again, we're gonna see these themes of grace, of the activity of God and of community. And we see importance of community and partnership right at the very beginning, actually in the very first few verses we read, where Paul says, how I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me. That there is this really intimate partnership between Paul and the Philippian church. It is like true community. It's true friendship. That's what this verse is hinting at. And then Paul moves on to talk a little bit about the activity of God and how Paul can actually survive in any kind of situation or circumstance. How he can actually has, as he puts it, the secret to living with whatever may be happening. He says this. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I've learned to be content with whatever I have. As I said, I think this is a verse for our like Western North American world because I don't think we're content with very much. But Paul says, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. And then he points us in the reason for that, the direction for that reality. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. He says, whether it's with a full stomach, empty, with plenty or little. And then here's the secret. Here's the whole point. Here's how he can be content with whatever he says. He says for this, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Or as I memorized it as a child, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the promise that Paul is giving not only to the Philippian church, but also to us. That what he is noticing and what he is pointing out here is something that is really simple and really central, but something we need to really latch onto and to grasp. It's that we need to rely on Christ in our lives. This is what he's pointing out that we need to have an absolute reliance on Christ in our lives. That if you wanna know the secret to living, if you wanna know how to you know, kind of get through any circumstance that you may be facing, Paul's really clear. It's all about reliance on Christ. It's not about relying on your skills. It's not about relying on your gifts. It's not about relying on your abilities or even for your circumstances to change. If you want to know the secret to living in any situation, it is an absolute dependence and reliance and trust on Christ. That's what he's getting at. Listen to what he says. He says, "Uh, For I can do all things or I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And the reason The reason Paul can rely upon Christ is because Paul knows that God is active, that God is moving. Remember all those verses that we've read throughout the book of Philippians, right? That God will complete what he has started. That God is actually working within you, giving you the desire to do what pleases him. That the fact that God is working in you and in me and in the world around us means that we can rely on him. And this is what gets us through any and every situation. It is a reliance, it is a dependence, it is a trust in Christ for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength or I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, this reliance on Christ is absolutely crucial and absolutely central. But what can sometimes happen in the West especially is we can kind of miss something, is that we can miss the fact that this reliance of Christ, follow with me, is set in the context of community. Okay? I wanna say that again, because we can so easily skip past this and miss this, that this reliance of Christ is really set in the context of community because just before this, what does Paul teach? What does he talk about? He talks about community and partnership, right? He says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. And then he mentions the strength of Christ, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then the very next verse, the very next verse is again on the importance of community, on partnership, on togetherness. He says, even so, even so you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So when we read this verse, if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I want to just point out that in the West, we can read this actually as like a rugged individualism, but that is not what is going on here. In the Western world, we have this idea that we are like the most independent, self-contained, fully autonomous individualism, right? That's kind of what's going on in our world in our day and age, and we read everything through that lens. But what I want to point out is that we just can't miss the fact that this idea of reliance on Christ is actually still set in the context of community, that Paul has a partnership with the Philippian church, that they're providing for him as well, that there's there's this connection there, that we are absolutely to depend and to rely on Christ, but that doesn't mean we aren't to look to our you know, wider Christian community for Christ or for support as well. It's not to the exclusion of community that we rely on Christ. That's actually kind of our Western mindset. Instead, Paul is teaching here is that we need to rely on Christ. It is a secret to getting through every situation that we may face, but that reliance on Christ is also in the context of community. And we'll see that really clearly in the next few verses. I want to read them. And then again, we're going to see Christ and community in this kind of intertwined relationship between the two. We read this. Paul says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on to Macedonia. No other church did this. He says, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. He says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. He says, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. So again, in this passage, we see that real kind of themes of community, right? How Paul was supported from the Philippian church, how they gave him gifts more than once, how they supplied some of his needs. But then we also hear really of Christ's activity or of God's activity with an absolutely beautiful promise where Paul says, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs that what Paul is witnessing to, that what Paul is testifying to is that God has supplied his needs and he's saying that same God who has supplied him, he will supply you and all the needs that you have through his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. I just think, I just think this is an absolutely beautiful passage. I think this is an absolutely beautiful promise. I think this is something that I need because what is Paul saying? He says, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs. The same God who takes care of me will take care of you. So today, today, do you have any needs? Do you have any cares that are weighing you down? Do you have any burdens that you are carrying? Because the promise here is that God will provide for you, that God will show up, that God will step up, that there will be some miraculous provision. That's what Paul is saying, that the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. So do you have some needs today? Do you have some needs for friendship, for finances, for a future that you're unsure of? Do you have some needs because God wants to meet you in that place? That's the promise of this verse. And I don't think we should skip past this because this is something we need. Or at least I'll say this. This is something I need, that I know that I have needs and weights and burdens that I'm carrying. But here the promise is, is that God will come along. There'll be an active movement of God in my life. And the same promise is for you as well. And I think it's beautiful, but I want to notice something. When Paul says this, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus, I want to ask a really obvious question with this: okay? How did God provide for Paul's needs? Like, how did God provide for Paul's needs? Right? Because here Paul is saying, "I've received provision from God," and he's saying that you can too. Right? But how did Paul, uh, you know, receive from God provision? And the answer is, from the Philippian church, correct? Paul is really clear that they've sent gifts like more than once, like listen to this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent gifts more than once. Or he actually says that right now you're supplying my needs through Epaphroditus, right? So how did God provide for Paul? Through moving in the Philippian church to step up and to step in and to give. That's how uh, God provided for Paul. This is why then when we read verses like, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength or in the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs, it's really dangerous to remove these verses from the context of community. Just follow with me. The provision that Paul received, it wasn't like magic. It was through God moving in the Philippian church. It was through God directing them and telling them to give and to step up and through inspiring them and moving them to be obedient in generosity that Paul received because the Christian community around him actually stepped up in obedience. So what we see in this passage is really the fact that God's activity often happens in the context of community. That's what we're seeing in this passage, that God's activity often happens in the context of community. That's what Paul is witnessing to. That's what Paul is testifying to, that he has received things, but it's actually happened in the context of community with the Philippian church. And I can tell you that I too have actually received things through the context of community, that I too have actually experienced the same sort of thing that Paul is talking about especially in May and June, when my life was kind of all over the place. Kids were at home learning. Krista, it felt like, was catching every baby in Niagara. You know, so busy and working and doing all of that. And there was a lot of stress. But yet what I found was that God was providing my needs and He did that in and through you as my church family. I can't tell you the number of times, the number of times someone would show up at just the right time with like coffee, with muffins, with a meal, with something, right? And this was really God's activity and provision, but in the context of community, because He was stirring in your hearts to step up. This is the same sort of thing that Paul is witnessing to and testifying to, that God is active in community. And we can actually see this really specifically in one verse. This one what Paul says this. He says, I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. So here's what happens the Philippian church gave to Paul, right? That's what they did. But notice, what uh, Paul actually says is that they're actually giving to God. It's a sweet smelling sacrifice to God that they gave to Paul. And yet, Paul here, he receives from the Philippian church. But really, what does he say? It's that God provides all of his needs. Do you see this radical interconnectivity between Christ, community, the activity of God, giving and receiving? That when people are really faithful, the lines between the activity of God, community, they kind of get a little bit blurry. That's what's going on in this passage, is that Paul is testifying to the fact that Christ is active in community, and that that's how he is receiving, and that's how they are stepping up, and it's a beautiful thing. The next thing that we see in this passage is really, again, a theme of grace and the activity of God. We read this. Paul says, give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send their greetings and all the rest of God's people send their greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And here, if we read kind of carefully, it might just seem like a few ending kind of remarks, a closing to a letter, but there's actually again a notice and a moment of God's amazing activity. Notice with me, who sends greetings to the Philippian church? Paul says this, especially those in Caesar's household. Just notice that, especially those in Caesar's household. And this, this is like totally unexpected. This is not at all what anyone would expect in this situation. Because let's just put this in perspective. Remember, where is Paul? He's in prison, right? He's in prison for saying that Caesar is not Lord, right? That Christ is Lord, that I'm gonna rely only on him. That Caesar is false, that Jesus is the true Lord and savior of the world, not Caesar, right? That's That's what he says. And he gets put in prison for that. And then what happens? Apparently those in Caesar's household send their greetings. And do you want to know what that phrase Caesar's household means? It means those in the employment of Caesar. So what this means is literally guards, soldiers, the people who are keeping Paul in prison right now, they are sending their greetings to the Philippian church. Right? Are you seeing how incredible this is and how this must have only been through the act of God? That what Paul is doing in, pr- in prison is he is preaching, he's sharing grace, he's talking about community and the importance of connections. And then what these prison guards must see is the Philippian church standing up, stepping up and really giving and supporting Paul even in this moment. And this leads them to actually send their greetings to the Philippian church that what Caesar was not expecting is that when he put Paul in prison was for the good news to spread right there in his household. But that's exactly what this verse is testifying to, that right now, those in Caesar's household send their greetings because they are being shaped and changed by Jesus, by the message, by grace, and by the activity of God. This is a beautiful thing. And then, of course, and then, of course, the entire letter, it ends with grace because that's where the letter began. And that's kind of where everything begins and ends with grace. Listen to what he says. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And the book ends. So what does this mean for us today? Well, I know that we've covered a lot today. I know we've also covered a lot in this entire series. But today, what I want to do actually, is I want to, in some ways, reuse a main point. What I want to do is actually have the exact same main point today that we began with in the very first sermon in Philippians, way back in June. Today, what I believe we've seen is the importance, again, of grace, the activity of God, and community. And so today, my main point is the same one that we began, to kind of bookend the series. It's that we need to get grounded in grace, community, and the activity of God. That if we want to be with, like Paul, if we want to be able to actually rely on Christ, if we want to get through any circumstance, if we want to actually find God supplying all of our needs, if we want to grow and to change this world and be a part of what God is doing, we need to get grounded in grace and God's activity and community. This is what we need to really have our lives grounded in. And this is my main point today, that if we want to actually move forward in our lives, we need to be grounded in grace, community, and the activity of God. The question is, then how? And what does this look like, like practically? Because as we often say here, we don't come here for new information, we come for transformation. So how does this idea of us getting grounded in God, grace, and community actually like outwork in our lives? Well, for today, what I wanna do is I wanna give you one word, one word to kind of make this practical and applicable. And that word is trust. That if you wanna get grounded in God in grace in his activity and community, The only way to do that is actually trust in God, to trust in grace and to actually trust in community. Today, I wanna challenge you to actually place your trust in God, in grace and in community. And I know, I know in many ways, many ways to say that is easy actually, right? Because we have a saying here at church, right? We can be honest in church, amen? Well, I know to say to trust in God, grace and community, in some ways it's easy to say, but can we be really honest with this? It's sometimes hard to actually do because I bet there are some of you out there who have placed your trust in God, grace, and community, and afterwards, maybe you felt let down, maybe you felt betrayed, maybe something has happened that's caused you to doubt and to question, that truthfully, truthfully, the reason sometimes it is hard to place our trust in God, grace, and community is because when you trust in anything, you're actually risking being hurt, right? You're risking opening yourself up to being hurt. And so today, when I want to challenge you to place your trust in God, in grace, and in community, I know that this is not just an easy challenge. I know it's not a cost-free challenge. I know that if you do this, there is also the possibility you might be hurt by someone. You might be betrayed by someone. You might actually feel let down by someone. That sometimes this stuff can happen. But I do believe that this is what Paul is inviting us into, to really trust in God, to trust in his activity, to trust that he is moving, to trust that he will supply all our needs, to trust in grace, that grace is the beginning, that grace actually can fill us and change us, and to trust in community, to trust in others, to actually allow us to be partnering together. That's what Paul is inviting us into. But as I said, I know it can be hard, actually. One of the reasons that I know it can be hard is because I personally have experienced some of the hurt that sometimes can come when you risk actually trusting with others. If I'm really honest with you, and I always seek to be as honest and as vulnerable as possible, I'm really honest with you, this this past year, I feel like it's been one of the hardest years in my life. You might have felt that as well for some of you. It's been really tough and it's been really challenging. And yes, uh, this year has been challenging because of like kids being at home like, like all the time, right? That's been challenging. Yes, it's been challenging not being able to see people and have our normal rhythms. Yes, it's been challenging with Krista and her placement and all of that. But if I'm really honest with you, some of the main challenges have come, have come actually from broken relationships. have come from trusting a community and seeing that, well, not work out the way that you would want. And some of you, some of you I know that you felt this as well. you've had some really strained relationships over COVID. It's been strained in your family. It's been strained in your friendships or your workplace. There's been friendships that have changed or lost or been broken or whatever. Maybe that's been the context for some of what you've been carrying. But for me, the context of the broken community was here at church. Because this year, some people have left our church. And this does happen. People do come and go. In fact, stats coming out of the States are saying that right now, more people are changing churches than in any other season in recent history. And sometimes though, sometimes when this happens, it can actually be, in a strange way, it can actually be a holy moment. Sometimes as a pastor, here's what I get the opportunity to do, that God might call someone somewhere else. And I get the chance to meet with them, to affirm them, to pray with them, to bless them, and to talk with them. And these are our losses, and there's a grief to this. But if I can put it this way, it's almost in those cases of where you're sending someone in a holy way. And I've had the experience of that this year. But then, I also had the other experience. Where people can leave churches in the same way that they can leave friendships or families or workplaces or whatever. And they can leave in really hurtful and destructive and in damaging ways. Where there can be rumors, there can be lying, and there can just be like ghosting. you hear nothing. And these, these kind of hurts can go really deep. And I've experienced that this year, where there's been people that you invest in, sometimes for months, weeks, or even years, where you invest in them, and all of a sudden they just up and go, and there's no context, there's no discussion, there's no willingness to get together and to be the body of Christ together. And that hurts. And there's also something that even hurts even more, it's where people just up and go and then refuse to even talk with you or there's actually no communication whatsoever. And sometimes in that situation, they just talk to lots of people around you and not to you yourself. And that's what I've experienced this year. It's made it hard. And if you've ever experienced the fracturing of a relationship, a broken relationship or a betrayal in a relationship, you might get then why it can be hard to place your trust in God, grace, and community. Because you might have experienced kind of being let down in those situations. And I know I've experienced that and you might have as well. But here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say, I know that it is a risk to actually truly open yourself up, to truly say, I'm going to place my full trust in God, grace, and community. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to open up my heart really to it. I know that it is a risk, but here's what I believe, that yes, it is a risk that you can be hurt, but it also opens you up to receiving it also opens you up to receiving grace it also opens you up to receiving from god it also opens you up to receiving from community that if we close ourselves off from others and from god and grace there's no way we're going to actually experience change and life and hope and meaning god can't provide for our needs if we shut ourselves off from him and so what i can say really clearly is that this year and what i can testify to is that this year has been hard and there's been times where i've been tempted to kind of turn inward to close off because it's been hard but what i can also testify to is that god has shown up in amazing ways through grace, through God and community, that God has actually provided for my needs. And do you want to know how he has done that? He has done that through you as my church family. He's done that through you. So in the midst of all the hard and heaviness, this is what it has looked like for me, practically. I'll give you a few examples of how God has provided for my needs in the midst of some really challenging circumstances, of how I've actually seen the beauty of community, how I've seen the beauty of grace and giving and how you have stepped up and been there in so many ways. That's given me such hope when I've needed it most. On the day where I had quite possibly one of the hardest interactions I've had as a pastor, I was feeling very low and very heavy. I got a phone call from someone they shared with me how the four conversations has set them free and changed their life. This for me was a moment of grace, of God's activity, and the importance of community. There was a day when I was feeling really low, like just really low. Got a card in the mail from someone and in it, they had I've never had this happen before. It's a beautiful idea. In it, they'd sent uh, a small amount of money for each of our kids just to go and to get something special, to do something special, and it was an amazing gift of generosity, and that had an impact on me, and it certainly had a huge impact on our kids. It was like, wow. But the thing that stood out to me most, actually, is they had a small card in it, and in it, they wrote, Dear Precious Pastor Andrew. And that, uh, that one word precious, that was God supplying my needs in and through you that day. Because I can tell you that day, I wasn't feeling precious to very many people. That was the activity of God. This is what can happen if, yes, you risk trusting. Yes, you might be hurt, but you also open yourself up to receiving. For me, I received when someone showed up and they brought me a uh, peach crisp. And they said that since there's peaches in it, that's a breakfast food. So we had peach ice cream and we talked and we actually just felt connected. And it was a beautiful, moving moment. For me, I also received a moment where someone watched our services and they're a friend and they texted me and they said, Andrea, you still see yourself today. So I just want you to know, that God loves you, he is pleased with you, and you're doing a good work. This is how God has shown up in my life in the past few months. This is what it might look like and mean to actually trust in community, to trust in God, and to trust in his grace. And it can be hard, but I tell you, I'm telling you that you can receive then too when you open yourself up in this. For me, one of the most meaningful things was an email I got on the anniversary of my dad's death. This year, for whatever reason, um, that day, I was missing my dad more than I think I have in a long time. It's a hard day. I was just really missing my dad because I would be able to talk to him about what I was going through and he would get it because he's lived it and he's been a part of that. So I was really missing him. And I got a beautiful email from people in our church and our church family. And somehow they knew that it was the anniversary of my dad's death. I don't know how they knew. But they knew and so they said that they were praying for me and they are so um, appreciative of the legacy that that, that my dad is living on within me. And it was just one of the most meaningful things that has happened to me. You want to know this? They've never even met my dad, but they were there and they actually sent something and it just moved me and it connected me. This is what happens if we are actually willing to take the risk and to trust in God and grace and community. As I said, I know that I am challenging you to do something hard. I know it is actually hard to really open up your heart because yes, you can be hurt. But what it also does is open you up to receiving, to seeing God move in these amazing, miraculous ways so that I too can testify like Paul that I have received all that I need and God will supply all of your needs and it will happen through the amazing, glorious riches of Christ Jesus. It'll happen through community and it'll happen through grace. This is the opportunity before us that we can get grounded in God grace and community or we can kind of close ourselves off today though i want to challenge you really directly will you trust in god will you trust in grace will you trust even in community and i know that it is harder than ever to even do that in today's day and age i know that relationships are fragile and strained and difficult but i believe in community because i have seen the purity and the power of community in and through you as my church as my family over these past few months So what is my main point today? My main point is that we need to get grounded in God and grace and community. And then what is my challenge? My challenge is really clear. Would you be willing to truly trust in God? To trust that he is working in you and around you? To trust that he will not leave you incomplete? That he finishes what he has started? Will you trust in the power of grace that it is only grace that changes anything? And it's grace that invites us into God's kingdom and invites us into a relationship with him. Will you trust that God's grace is enough for you? And then will you trust in community? Will you open yourself up? Will you be willing to reach out? Will you be willing to be vulnerable? Because this is what we need in this time more than ever. We need to be grounded in grace in God and community. So how do we do that? Well, today I have two things. The first, the first is we're gonna take communion together. And if you don't know what communion is, It's really an act of trust in God and grace. This is about receiving both God and grace. So I'm gonna invite you to really focus in on receiving from God and placing your trust in him as we take communion together. The second thing then I wanna invite you into, I wanna invite you to invest and trust in community and to reach out as community, okay? I wanna invite you to invest and trust in community and reach out as community. What does this mean? It means first that if you're not involved in community, if you're not investing in community, today is the day to start. Like, if you're not in a home church, sign up. New ones are starting right in the fall. This is the time. We need others around us more than ever. Then I want to invite you to actually reach out as community. Because I can tell you, when I received that card, that text, or that email, it had an impact in my life. Who can you do that for today? Who can you reach out to as community, reminding them? Reminding them of who they are in Christ. Reminding them that you're there for them. Reminding them of what God is doing in you and around you and around them. Can you actually be active in the activity of God? So today today? What is my challenge? It's really to place your trust in God and to do that by actually taking community, uh, by taking communion, and by uh, receiving grace through communion, and then actually reach out as community and to actually invest in community. And to close, I want to share one last story. I was writing the sermon, and in all honesty, I was struggling with it. It wasn't coming simply, it wasn't flowing, I wasn't sure what to do. I was just struggling with what to actually kind of focus in on and where to go with it. And it was just, yeah, it was just becoming a chore. So I'm sitting there, I'm typing away, I'm just trying to get into this and trying to finish it up uh, because I just only had so much time to do it. And Asher bounces down from upstairs. And Asher immediately, he comes down, he sits on my lap and he's kind of interrupting me and interrupting the flow of everything. And I was kind of frustrated with it. I said, so bud, like what's going on? He says, hey dad. And Asher, if you don't know him, he is bubbly and sometimes has the highest highs and also the lowest lows. But he was so excited in this moment. He's like, Dad, what are you preaching? What are you teaching people? What do they learn to learn about God today? He asked me this every single week. And because I was feeling kind of unsure about the sermon, and also because I kind of wanted the conversation just to end so I could get back to it, um, I said, I'm not really sure, bud. He said to me, Well, in that case, dad, I know what you should preach. And I know this might sound like a made up pastor story. But this is what happened. I said, Okay, bud. What do you think that I should preach? He turns to me and he says, I think, Dad, that you should teach people to trust with their whole heart. That it's hard, but it's needed, Dad. That's why I think you should tell people. I think that you should teach people to trust with their whole heart. It's hard, but it's needed. So today, I want to close with Asher's point, because I think that is absolutely true. that what we need today more than ever and all that is swirling around us and all that is going on and all that is before us or whatever, what we need more than ever is to trust in God with our whole heart, to trust in the power of grace with our whole heart and to trust in community with our whole heart. Yes, it is hard, but it is absolutely needed because there is nothing that'll help us to get through this next season, whatever it looks like, without God, grace and community. So today I wanna invite you to truly place your trust in God, grace and community and to do that with your whole heart because yes, it is hard, but it is absolutely hard absolutely needed. Let's pray. God, I ask, I ask, would you give us all the courage to truly place our deepest trust within you, to trust in the fact that you're working, to trust in the fact that you complete your work, to trust in the fact that you supply needs. I pray, God, would we be able to trust deeper in you than ever before? I pray God would be able to trust in the power of grace. That grace is going before us, and that grace is moving within us. I pray God will we trust in the power of community. Will we actually step up and be community to those around us, and to invest in it and to open up to others? I pray God will we continue to see you moving in our lives as we open up our hearts. Will we be able to receive, but will we also be able to give to those around us? I pray God will we just see you moving in us and the lives around us. And I pray God you would give us hearts full of trust, radically open, that we might trust in you and grace and in those around us. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.